Well, good afternoon and welcome to Truth Worth Living, where we seek to understand God's Word so we can live in the center of God's will. We've, we've been studying the book of Hebrews, and we've categorized it uh, less as a letter and more of a sermon. It, it's really an exhortation for the Hebrew Christians to remain steadfast in their commitment to Jesus. The, the problem was that the hardships they were facing were causing them to falter. And the writer has been doing everything in his power to convince them just to stay the course. Jesus and the Jesus way was clearly superior to anything that Judaism had to offer. Jesus had given them everything they needed, a hope, a hope for the future, and a community to live in. And so the writer, having proved his point, now is transitioning toward the end of the book from the benefits of following Jesus to the responsibilities. He presents them in chapter 10 in the form of three let us commands. Last week we saw that he wrote, let us draw near to God. And this week he says, let us do two more things in response to Jesus' sacrifice. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. He writes, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So first he says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Do you, these Jewish Christians were trying to figure out a way to have their cake and eat it too. They, they wanted to live in two worlds, the world of the old covenant and the world of the new. But the writer is saying to them, that is crazy. Okay, you, you can have one or the other, but there's no way you can have both. And what they needed to do was choose to hold unswervingly to the new covenant they embraced by faith. Now, to hold unswervingly meant that they needed to burn the bridges to the past. They needed to go all in with Christ and his promises. Do you remember Caleb from the Old Testament? He and Joshua were two of the spies that were sent to the land of Canaan. And Joshua and Caleb came back with a glorious report, full of hope for the future. But they were shouted down by the ten other spies. And when the battle was lost, Moses pulled Caleb aside and told him that one day he would win the war and possess the land that he spied out. Then Caleb held unswervingly to that hope for 45 years, and then he was in. And so the writer of Hebrew here, without mentioning Caleb's name, he, he wanted these believers to understand that the God they were trusting was the same God that Caleb trusted. They could hold on just as Caleb did because God is faithful. And, by the way, the proper response to his faithfulness was their faithfulness. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. 
the second let us pointed out that they had a responsibility to their fellow believers. How did he put it? Look at verse 24 again. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Here's the fact. Running this race, the race of Christianity, is no easy feat. Running to win is incredibly difficult. The fact is we need cheerleaders along the way. But but who's going to cheer us on? It's not the world around us. Jesus made that clear when he spoke with his disciples in the upper room before his departure. Listen to what he said in John 15, beginning in verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Look, here, here's the fact. The world won't share our pursuit of righteousness. We can rest assured of that. Instead, it will do everything in its power to sabotage us. But we need cheering. We need encouragement. So the writer says, let us do it. Let us spur one another on to love and good deeds. But he doesn't stop there. There's more. He actually tells us to do it strategically, to do it intentionally. Let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. So how do we perform this crucial act of cheering? Verse 25, he tells us exactly how to do it. He says, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We must commit to community. That's the essence. We must commit to community. Some believers foolishly try to do it alone. They withdraw from community and they withdraw from the cheering of community. See, you can't be cheered by people or cheer people that you don't see. So the writer is essentially saying, let us show up. Be present in the body of Christ. Use your spiritual gifts among the body to strengthen and encourage others to run the race for victory. Because here's the deal. When you win, I win. And when I win, we win. The kingdom wins. And that's our responsibility. So, let us draw near to God. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope of life abundant and eternal. And let us encourage each other to live victoriously by being there. That's our responsibility. And that's truth worth living. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm looking forward to our Bible study tomorrow night and then to our celebration of Advent on Sunday morning. So I'm looking forward to spending time with you soon. Have a great day.